We're spending a few minutes this morning with the State Senator Daryl Weaver of Moore, who has some uh, background here in the, the Grady and Caddo and Stevens County area. So uh, it's been a while since you've been on the show, but thanks for coming in today. We appreciate it. Uh, so always my pleasure, George, to see you and be on, on with you. So uh, let's talk about uh, some of the most recent events uh, in the state Senate. The big news, of course, is uh, the Senate's passage of uh, a sales tax uh, cut in the grocery grocery sales tax, and the governor has signed that into law already. So that's been a long time coming. Well, it really has. You know, the Senate has been looking at tax reform for really a couple of years now. They had a committee together and uh, started looking at different different angles, whether it be a grocery tax or whether it be a, a state income tax or something of that nature. Uh, you always have to remember we have to find a balance in where we cut and, you know, what, what are we going to do with uh, that money uh, because we won't have it for appropriations. So uh, it's always a balancing act in state government to figure out what you want to cut and then how much how much can you cut and still survive with some of our essential services. And, you know, Oklahomans always have to remember that we have to have a 75 percent uh, vote in the House and the Senate to be able to increase taxes. So uh, there's not there's not many people in, the, in that on 23rd Lincoln want to increase to be known for increasing taxes. So they're very, very cautious when it comes to this thing. But I, I think it's way overdue, George. It's uh, I, I was for the grocery tax reduction for for actually ever since we talked about it. I feel like it just affects everyone. It, I don't care if it's me or you or you know it doesn't make any difference if you're wealthy or not so wealthy. Uh, you you're going to get a, a tax break when you go to the grocery store, and we all have to eat. I, I like to eat, so uh, I think it's a good thing. The governor signed it. it's going to affect. I believe my memory serves me right in August, and uh, we're going to see a relief there. Uh, now, there the municip- municipalities and counties will still. Uh, be able to do that, and, and that's really important for their operations. So there's going to be, for the most part, a city and county sales tax on the groceries, right? Uh, yeah, and, yeah, and that's a great point because, you know, that was one of the things we, we talked about behind door behind closed doors was this is not going to eliminate all the grocery tax. It's, you still have your municipalities and cities. And, of course, my background almost three decades was in public safety and law enforcement, and we have to make sure these cities are funded. So I think that's something we all guard against. They still, their their uh, city tax will still be intact or any type of, uh, of a uh, county tax. So we'll still going to be able to the cities are still going to be able to function so i think that's important you know and it's always said well if the city raises or reduces or whatever and that's that's really a local control issue if chick or anadarko or lawton or whatever wants to reduce their taxes or increase it that's a that's a local control issue we controlled what we could at the state level what finally what was the tipping point for the city? i mean it passed like 45 to 2 or something over well so what what do you think was the tipping point that finally uh got it got it through well, it's interesting because behind closed doors, you know, there's a lot of deliberation. You know, you may have not ever – there probably wasn't a, you know, a 45 vote <laughs> behind closed doors because some, quite frankly, wanted income tax reduction. They felt like that was better. But at the end of the day, I think you have to come to consensus at that belt, in that building and for sure in the caucus and things of that nature. And that's what happened. Uh, you know, it ended up being the grocery tax and it ended up being the overwhelming things that people in the caucus, the majority, and most most everybody wanted some type of reduction. So when it when the grocery tax went on the board, we knew it was going to be on the board. Uh, and uh, everybody said, okay, this is the way we're going to go it, and that's what we're going to do. We pulled the trigger on it, and now it's, it, it's law now. Right. So it ends July 30th, 
and so August 1st, uh, it'll go into effect, and uh, a family of four is going to save up to maybe $400 a year, I guess, is uh, some of the numbers that I've seen. Yeah, I mean, I was a family of five, you know, five kids in metal, mm-hmm. so I know about big grocery bills growing up, and uh, so I, th- I think it's just going to help. I don't care if it's a guy that makes uh, 12000 a year or someone who makes 212000 a year. It's going to help them, and I think it's a, something directly in, in the – in the citizen's pocket, if you would. You know, you go in the grocery store. I, I, I told behind closed doors to our caucus, I told a story about stopping and buying a cupcake one day, and, and I bought one of them little ding-dong cut cupcakes. <laughs> and, and I told him, I said, I, didn't, I, I, I tried to stay away from ding-dongs because they're not healthy necessarily. <laughs> but I bought one that day, and that's the only thing I bought. And, what, and, and they rang it up, and it was $3.03. <laughs> and I looked at the guy, and I said, you got to be joking. Are you telling me this thing costs $3? <laughs> I had not realized, you know, I didn't have a bottle of water I didn't have anything disguised. It was just the ding-dong. And it was $3.03, and I said, you got to be joking. But he wasn't joking. And I think that was a little bit of reality to me that I don't go grocery shopping a lot. I really don't. But, man, I tell you, things are higher. They really are. And I think that it gives us all just a little bit of a break. And and this is the deal, George. we got $5 billion in the state coffers. It's not like we're broke. And uh, Calvin Coolidge, I always quote this, Calvin Coolidge said this. He said, uh, if you collect excess taxes, it's like legalized robbery. And uh, and I like that because I think it comes to a point where you got to give something back to the citizens. And that well, that's what we all agreed on. And now it's, of course, law. There's going to be a new Senate president uh, coming up this fall. Uh, just had an election, and I know um, uh, Senator uh, Greg McCourtney of Ada was elected. So talk about your relationship with him. And what, do you, what do you know about him? And- uh, Senator McCourtney won a four, four-way battle uh, within the ranks there. Of course, there's 40 caucus members in the Republican caucus, so that's basically where the vote was. And, you know, we're small. We know each other's families. We know their kids, and we know the wives or the husbands. And, you know, you get in those type of battles, sometimes it can be pr- pretty divisive. And I think everybody is just glad that those races are over. And the, the leader's been selected. Senator McCourtney and I get along very well. He, of course, is from Ada, and uh, really kind of the healthcare type of, of, of arena. He uh, had some uh, some businesses that had to do with that. So, of course, with our business in the medical community, I've always had that uh, in, in like with him, if you would. And also, uh, he has Cleet in his backyard. And of course, George, I have you know a lot of years in law enforcement, was on that Cleet Council for years. So, Senator McCourtney and I always uh, have mutual agreements on keeping uh, Cleet healthy so we've got some things there going but we're ready to go forward and he's a businessman he's a he's a guy of faith and uh, and I think that uh, he's going to do well and and really uh, pull the, the Senate it's a tough job and don't kid yourself when you get to be that leader in the house or the Senate and you've got 40 members out there and we're all elected so he has uh, that, that position really has no control over us, uh, per se. We can do and vote and say and do what we want to do. So it's a tough job. It really is. And I commend anybody that steps up and takes that role. He'll be taking over for uh, Senator uh, Greg Treat, who uh, is term limited. So he's going to be out after uh, this this session is over. And I tell you, he's had, he's had a tough session, not only dealing with uh, 
everything at the state capitol. But, you know, in the news that his son was involved in a really terrible traffic accident uh, just a few weeks ago. And it was a miracle he survived. So a lot for that family to go through. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, having had had crisis with a child in my life, uh, I surely understand that. So I, my heart goes out to the Treat family. I think that I think their family's kind of turned a corner. I think uh, Mason's doing well. And he's got he's got a road to go, but he survived that, cra- that horrible incident. And that's what, what I think we're all grateful for, and for sure the family, is that they survived and uh, it wasn't more tragic than what it was. And, uh, again, he's got a road ahead of him, but uh, I think he's going to make it, and he's got a strong support group. And there's uh, uh, he's talking, the senator's talking about uh, trying to revise some state law, To I'm not familiar with what that is. You may be about what he's what he's hoping to accomplish after that uh, terrible crash. Well, he's uh, got a passion now, you know, in his last term about tags. And uh, there was evidently uh, the car had just been bought and there wasn't a tag on it yet. So there's multiple times he'd been pulled over. So I think Cinder Treat is going to try to shore that up a little, a little bit. He, he thinks there's a problem there, and obviously it was for that family. And that's what it's about at, this, uh, at the state legislature. You know, you see something, you feel like you need to correct it, and he's passionate about that. And he has openly said that he wants to do something in kind of in, in, in memory, if you would, although Mason's obviously yeah. still alive, but in memory of what happened. So uh, so he's going to be passionate about that. And, and I, I, I know if it has to do with safety, I'm a guy that's going to be, be supporting that. Talk about some of the bills you are working on specifically and uh, what your what your hopes are for those. Well, I, I actually want to kind of say, first off, it's a House bill that I've already committed to be a Senate author on. And I did an interim study this last summer over uh, sheriff deputies uh, pay. And uh, again, I came from law enforcement, but man, you look at these deputies and these sheriffs, what they're making, and it's, it's, uh, it's not right. It's just simply not right. Uh, when you have a deputy out there, you know, making twenty-five, $30,000 a year, and they can almost go anywhere and make that nowadays. And uh, they're put, strapping a pistol, a sidearm, and putting a badge on their vest and going out and doing uh, a work apparel at times. And it's just not right. And uh, Texas had a model where they had some funding mechanisms uh, through the state government, and we're looking at those mechanisms. It's uh, That bill, I believe, cleared the House uh, committee last week, and then uh, I think uh, Representative Wallace has got that, and then I'm going to take it over in the Senate when it makes it across the rotunda. But I just think it's time to do something about that that particular. I was uh, head of the appropriations over public safety and judiciary when we raised the trooper salaries 30 percent. I was in a meeting one day, and the Sheriff's Association, a friend of mine, he raises his hand and said, hey, that was good for them, but now now uh, we, they're all going over there now. We can't, we can't hire anybody. So it was a, a situation to where we did something good for our state officers but and troopers, but at the end of the day, now we got deputies that can't hire and everybody's going over there. So it, it was uh, really a, an effect there that we have to. So I'm looking at that. So what's, it, uh, what are we talking about as far as some of the proposals uh, well, for that? Well, right now there's a kind of a grant type of pro, uh, uh, proposal where they would supplement some of the salaries and raise them to a minimum. Uh, and I'd have to look at the bill again, exactly what we decided on. But, you know, it's just going to raise them up and recruiting. And, you know, a couple of years ago, they helped them with the retirement system. They, you know, they were on an 80 or 85 percent, and they were working beside local officers that was on a 20-year retirement. So the new officers in the, as a deputy in a county deputy, you actually can go into that system now, too. So little things like that, because what you don't want to do, you don't, you know, we're sitting here in Grady County, and, and sheriff hires guys, and he trains them and sends them to Cleet with an 
next thing you know, they've moved on, you know, for a better retirement or a better pay. And that just simply it should be a career job. It should be they get to know the citizens here. They know the highways in as a state agent. You know, I there was nothing better than a good deputy that knew that area, right? Knew everybody and knew everybody who was kin to everybody. And, and that's a value in, in public safety. So we want to keep them in their counties. I know Sheriff Boggess has uh, worked extremely hard to – uh, get his deputies raises, and uh, he's got some quality guys and gals uh, uh, out there protecting uh, citizens. He's got a new uh, ag investigator uh, now, which the Grady County had had in a while. So, uh, well, uh, Sheriff Bogus, I've known a long, long time, and uh, knew his brother very close to his brother that passed, and uh, they're, they're kind of legends of August brothers in law enforcement. And I know when he was appointed down here after the retirement, and. Uh, when he came down here, I, I I thought Grady County's in good hands, and he he's quality guy, and I think everybody knows that. But a, a friend for many many years, probably decades. Uh, talk about another bill that you're highlighting. Uh, you know, I've got a uh, fentanyl is a huge problem in in Oklahoma. You know, in my days at the bureau. And uh, we have to do something. Yeah, you were at the Bureau of Narcotics is yeah. what you talked about. Yeah, yeah, I was there a little over 28 years, about nine-plus nine years as the director when I retired in 2015. But fentanyl was a problem then, but it's a big, bigger, even larger problem now. And what they do, George, most people know, they lace it with things. They put fentanyl, mix it. So what we came up with is we came up with a bill that says, basically, if you put fentanyl and mix it with anything, then it'd be a manufacturing charge. And that's what you're doing. You're producing something, which is pretty smart. I wish I would have totally did, thought of that, but it wasn't. I had some folks at the attorney general's office helping us and and uh, OBN and people. But at the end of the day, if you do that and you get caught, it's seven to life, which is pretty stiff. But we have to remember when they lace that, that we're losing people left and right. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but when I presented that bill in the last four years, we went from, I, I want to remember it was like 39 overdose deaths to 600 and something in four years in Oklahoma. So our nephews and our brothers and sisters and our cousins are all dying over this stuff. So we've got to be We've got to be very diligent in trying to do something about it. And I think that's that's a, a, a really great bill. And one other bill I want to mention, too, is I, I'm a big domestic violence, anti-domestic violence guy. I was raised with, you know, three sisters, and I have four daughters. So I'm, I'm, I'm top-heavy when it comes to females and, and women and girls, and, uh, and I just don't think they should be abused. But anyway, I've got an 85% crime for strangulation. And the the numbers have panned out and shown that if a if a woman is strangled, and not not dead, but strang a strangulation event, they're 750 times more likely to die from that the hands of that same person uh, by gunshot. So what that means is, you know, we had an escalation of force when in law enforcement as a defensive tactics instructor. I taught that says your presence is one thing, and then maybe you touch them as next, and then if they they resist, then you maybe get a, a wand or you get some pepper spray, and, and you escalate that up into a, a actual firearm. And the same thing goes with domestic violence. It has been proven if you if you have X, Y, and Z, if it continues on, you're going to probably end up in a death. So we're going to try to get that across the finish line of 85 percent which means the obvious is they have to if they get five years they're going to do 85 percent of that before they're back out on the street all right the devastation this week in uh, northwest oklahoma with all the wildfires and things and there's been uh, a lot of property damage there's been uh cattle loss uh, is there going to be anything maybe coming out of this legislature to, to help those producers up there 
You know, right now uh, we haven't done, made any action yet, but I know uh, I know I had a couple of members I was visiting with, and uh, from Northwest Oklahoma in the Senate, and they were very concerned about it. You know, one thing about being from Moore, Oklahoma, it's uh, although I was raised down here in Southwest, but I've been in Moore for several years, and uh, where where I was elected at. But at the end of the day, they've had devastating uh, incidents, obviously, and more. And one thing about Oklahoma and, and the legislature, I don't care if you're a Democrat, Republican, I don't care what what your stance is. When something tragic happens, we rise up. And I think that we'll be looking at those numbers. We'll be looking at everything you said. And if we need to do something, we'll definitely do something. But it, it, there is a tragedy up there. I know. Our, our, we've got a local Grady County uh, Cattle Producers Association that's going in, and uh, they're collecting uh uh, formulated, formulated milk uh, for the orphan calves uh, wow. up there. So uh, if you can go to one of the hardware stores or uh, ag stores out there, and they're going to send up as many pallets as they can over the next couple of weeks. So uh, kudos to our, our local cattle producers. Wow, that, I mean, that. that's just, that's just, that's wonderful. I mean, that it really is. It just, you know, Oklahomans helping Oklahomans, and that's what this is about. That's what we've always done. That's what, you know, in my years here in this state, my whole life here, uh, it's been always been this. So that's, that's, that, that makes your little heart dance when I hear that. Talk about some of your other committee work. You're on the Government and Transportation Committee. Yeah, uh, we're uh, that's a, my subcommittee on approps, and we we do do a lot of everything from what you would think on ODOT, but also aviation things and uh, things of that nature falls under that. And and, and I'm a, a aviator myself and a, and a pilot. I, I really believe you know it's the second leading industry in Oklahoma right now, and uh, and it's just going to grow. And I, I think we're a long way from overtaking oil and gas because that's our cornerstone. But we're really, I think that's one of the reasons our economy's in such good shape is that I think we've made a, an effort throughout uh, the last many years of trying to diversify that economy. And aviation is one of them. So we're putting money into airports. We're putting money in schools. You know, Oklahoma has one of the most uh, uh, robust high school programs now around for different high schools through aviation and trying to get GA or general aviation pilots like myself out there. And, and, and I know right here at uh, Chickasha Airport, I mean, uh, I know uh, Mitch Williams out there well and uh, trained out there. And, uh, and it just brings a lot to your economy and it brings a lot. Oklahoma's a flying state. I mean, Will Rogers and and uh, Wiley Post and those people in our past. And this is a state that's perfect in position to really be an aviator's dream. It really, not only from a GA standpoint, for me, I laugh, you know, because it's so nice that when you fly, that if you do have a problem in Oklahoma, unless you're in southeast Oklahoma, you can just about land. You've got, you've got landing strips <laughs> yeah. everywhere, right? These wheat fields. Yes. You never worry about flying. And I know I don't. Mm-hmm. And uh, But also just tinker, and it goes into – Southwest Airlines and American and all the things that different people are doing. And so it, it's it's an opportunity. I really believe so. Does aerospace fall in that category? Because I know there's some effort to try to bolster yeah, that industry exactly. as well. Exactly. It just falls hand in glove with that. You're exactly right. And, you know, engineers, they say, you know, Boeing has, has a presence up around Tinker. And they, they tell uh, us policymakers that we can just about put every engineer that we can churn out in Oklahoma. So everything from, I know my more Norman career tech has now got an aviation programs where they're, they're doing mechanic works. And, of course, Norman's got the OU flight school and things like that, and it's really growing. But just working on, you know, you think about it, if you get out of there, 
uh, you know, a couple of years and you're a mechanic for an airplane, not everybody can work on airplanes. You know, it's not like back in my day, we all worked on our cars. You just don't mm-hmm. want anybody yes. working on your airplane. And they're training them, and, and it just creates high, well-paying jobs that people need So uh, in, the, in the community needs. So it's, it's a good deal. So an interesting uh, legislation that's been under debate a couple of weeks uh, in the House and the Senate, um, um, the right of first refusal in the energy industry. And there's talk about uh, maybe a, a new tax for uh the solar industry or wind and uh, in, in energy uh, as well, and maybe a tax cut for the uh, uh, fossil fuels. So that's going to be an interesting uh, debate over the next few weeks. Yeah, you know, it's it's. I think there's some movement and some of that over in the house. Uh, of course, we just got through a deadline week Friday or well, today. I mean, mm-hmm. yesterday. And uh, so right now, just concentrating on Senate bills, but I have heard rumblings of what you've been talking about and uh, actually was talking to someone this morning about that. So, you know, anytime you don't, you, you sure don't want to hurt our, hurt our oil and gas industry or any industry in our state, but we just have to be smart about where, where our, our tax breaks. You know, it's real funny. We're talking about uh, t- tax breaks for different type of people and you know, everybody is passionate about that. You know, we want to, we want to do something for this group or that group, and it all adds up before long. You, you, you'll be in a deficit with your state budget after you give all the breaks. So, we just have to be smart. You know, George up there is it's about balance and being smart, and, smart and pragmatic, and saying what do we really need to do for our state. So, we'll be looking at all those things. So, you kind of uh, get a little breather this year. You don't have to run for re-election. You're in the middle of your second term. So, what six years in? Uh, give us a little recap of uh, how you think it's been going so well, far. Well, I'm telling you, of course, I was elected in 2018 and then uh, was up for re-election in 2020. And it's real real funny, you know, I, I, I feel like that I uh, was doing a good job and listening to people and you feel like you're doing it. But it just takes about one vote for someone to get mad and want to run against you. And it doesn't make any difference that that person has a ton of money and a ton of popularity or whatever. You still have to go out and work. So. That that day on that Friday, that deadline week of of, of someone filing, you know, at five o'clock, it the, the, it stops at five o'clock. So about five thirty, you know, you wait wait to make sure there's nothing <laughs> happening. You you just do a corporate family sigh of relief. Uh, we were prepared. We were stacking arms and ready to go run against anybody, and we we were like that. But man, you're talking about relief. It's it's hard. It's hard work. You it's it's expensive work. It's time-consuming, you know. Uh, when you're out here and you're running a re-election, the Senate districts are pretty large. There's only 48 of them in the whole state, about 86,000 people. So you're talking about a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of signs. And the, the Oklahoma wind has a tendency to tear up signs, which means you got to go fix a sign and you got to knock doors. And, and I loved it when I campaigned, but it's a relief to just say, you know what, we can put our energy somewhere else at the, the task at hand. So how do folks get a hold of you if they want to visit with you about any particular issue? Uh, the best way, just call my office there at the Capitol, 405-521-5569. And, uh, you know, I'm on Facebook. I'm constantly getting messages. And uh, you can pretty well find me just about anywhere, but just call the Capitol. And, and you know, having having a statewide presence at the Bureau of Narcotics and having my wife and I's businesses are scattered out. So I really feel like that, although uh, my first responsibility is to the city of Moore and, and the, those people and those folks there, but I also know that I've got a lot of friends everywhere like yourself that just call me. You know, if you see something at the Capitol that concerns you, just give me a call. Okay, Senate.gov is the website, so that's an easy way to uh, navigate uh, 
uh, the web and uh, contact you as well. So uh, email, phone call, anything like that. Absolutely. Just reach out to me. All right. Thanks a lot. We appreciate your time this morning. Thank you, George. Uh, Senator Daryl Weaver, Republican from Moore, Senate District 24, part of our program today.